All right. Thanks for joining us. This is the Rise Up podcast where we're talking about recovery outreach opportunities in our community. I'm David Baker and I'm joined by Josh Atkinson today. We're talking together about, you know, there are so many stigmas that go with recovery ministry. And what we're trying to do is just tell the story about the opportunities in our community. We're wanting to hear stories from people that have actually been through the recovery journey and are going through it. And then hear stories from those that are working really, really hard to help other people. So a large part of what we're trying to do is to help us all gain understanding and to um, really move closer to each other. Those that are trying to help, those that are struggling but trying to get better and to gain an appreciation and expand the opportunities that we have here. Hardin County is really a special place and there's so much good that's being done here to support people and help people. So as we go along, we're going to highlight different uh, services that are offered in our community. But today we're going to talk uh, just about the drug court in Hardin County. And so I want to turn it over to Josh, let Josh talk a little bit about maybe his background a little in recovery and then how he came into the position that he's in and what some of the work is that they're doing. I moved to Savannah in 2015. I, I got sober in 14 and uh, my wife wanted to move up here. So we did. And I started working at the Jack Jean Shelter as a counselor. And I worked there for eight and a half years. I loved working there. I really did. It was a, that's a special place to me. The new job I'm in today, uh, it actually started under Judge McGinley and Jeff Nichols, but it kind of just got stymied by COVID and then they both retired. And so it was just kind of, it was just not existent anymore. And then the new judge, Judge Bradbury come in and dockets were a mess. It was just backlogs from COVID. And cause I was kind of curious, you know, I was wondering how this is going to go. So he'd come to me at the beginning of the year and he's like, Hey, I want to get this recovery court going. And, and we talked and he, so I took the job and I really enjoy it. What we do at the recovery court is the, the 24th Judicial District Recovery Court. We take people who are clinically their high risk, high needs. But what it boils down to is they're people who have substance use disorders. That really is the catalyst to the criminal activity. They don't really have the resources. That's one thing I found out when I when I started my, my journey in recovery. Is my family was able to provide resources. Uh, which was important after I left treatment and because I did four months of residential, two months of outpatient. I didn't have to worry about housing. I didn't have to worry about transportation. I didn't have to worry about any of those things. And it was hard enough. I'll never forget. I was about six months sober. I had my first like full blown panic attack. Never had one in my life. I was in law enforcement for years, did a lot of high speed things. Never once suffered from any kind of anxiety or anything like that. But I was, and I had a house. I had, you know, I had financial resources. I had you know, driver's license, all these things. And just out of nowhere, I had to pull over. I thought I was going to die. When I started working in treatment, especially at the Jack Jean shelter, I, I realized a lot of people don't have these resources. And it was so hard for getting sober is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Staying sober is relatively simple, but getting over that hump is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So there, there are people that you're trying to help that they really didn't have some of the opportunities that you yeah, have. And I knew how hard it was for me to, to grasp and develop this way of living with resources. Right. So, I mean, to see it being done with, with little to none, no family support, no nothing. Tell me what you do then with the drug court. You're taking someone that may not have a lot of resources. Yes. You're helping them, walking them through uh, a recovery path. Yeah. So it's, it's an 18 to 24 month program and it, and it starts with, you know, it's out of circuit court. So these are people that, that you know, 
our, our participants, you know, they don't have misdemeanors. And what we do is we, of course, there's, there's a screening and assessment process and there's a lot of moving parts, but ultimately the goal is to take this individual that's high risk and high needs. And for the next 18 months, put them in the positions they need to be in to be able to build a foundation to long-term recovery, whether it be educational, whether it be housing, whether it be treatment, which are all components so that the ultimate goal is recovery. And with that ultimate goal comes no more criminal activity. You know, everybody wants to hear the term productive member of society. I want to see people have real lives. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and the productive member is a byproduct of the real life. I, I think so. It's like when a person gets themselves together internally, yeah. then externally they begin to be productive. They begin to be contributors. Yeah. I, I'm sure there are so many people that you might work with, how are determinations made about, well, who has these opportunities? Because I've got to guess those are really tough decisions at times. So we've got a recovery court treatment team and it's, it's, it's made up of, of me, substance abuse professionals, mental health professionals, the DA's office, public defender's office, the drug task force, DCS and mm. probation. So, so you get together to make collective we make, decisions. We meet monthly to make collective decisions because it's this is my position is funded by a grant through the state. So, I mean, so they can be they can't be sex offenders or violent offenders. So they're for nonviolent, non-sex offender for alternative sentencing. Right. And so a lot of factors move into it. Do they first off the first steps, they fill out an application. They have to be referred through their attorney or through the courts. And that's the first step. And I go in and do an assessment, a state approved assessment. And. And we look at it I'm like, okay, when we meet as a, a treatment team, we meet monthly and we determine, is this person a drug addict? Is this person a drug dealer? Is this person, they, yeah, they got a sales charge, but it wasn't much because they're just trying to support their habit. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, it's, a lot of it's just like a lot of collateral information. It, it sounds to me like though you're creating an opportunity to really, really help some people that would like to get their lives on track, but they yeah. didn't have anybody to help them do that. Yeah. And, and, and look, here's the reality of it. Some people just want to get out of jail. And I completely understand that. You know, when I went to treatment, it wasn't because I wanted to have this. I was, I didn't walk in there and like, oh, thank you, Lord. I finally arrived. I went in there to get some people off my back, to get the criminal justice system off my back. But while I was there, I just made a decision. I didn't like the direction I came from. Right. And that opens <laughs> you up to other avenues. So, and, and that's where I'm at today. Yeah. A lot of these people want to get out of jail, but a lot, nobody in active addiction wants to be living that way. I can assure you. Nobody. When they go to jail, all right, jail's a, a great place to think about making decisions, changing events in your life. It's a hard place to implement them, but a great place to start thinking about it. What we do is we take the ones that we feel like will be a good fit for this program. And it's a collective. So, so someone uh, is there, your team meets you decide on someone that would be a good fit for the program. So what that means is they're able maybe to go from jail into a treatment program. Yeah. So, so what they'll do is, is they'll actually, this is a a post plea program. So they actually have to plea out to their, whatever, whatever their charges are or a lesser offense, however gets pled down, that's up to the lawyers. And then they go straight from jail to treatment centers, to the recovery court. It's alternative sentencing, but it's strict because they, you know, two to three drug screens a week. They meet with me twice a week, once a week. They meet with the judge once a month. I see. Uh, they still meet with their probation officers. They still work. If they don't have a GED or high school diploma, they have to work on a GED. That's a part of it. They have to pay off their fines and fees before they. But the thing of it is, we got 18 months to do all this. We're not cramming it into a 28 day window or a 90 day window. So there's, I utilize a lot of residential intensive outpatient. I utilize a lot of sober living facilities because 
I think we take somebody and we put them somewhere. All right. And then we slowly step them down. I think they have a better chance of success. So, so what's the one thing that, you know, people that may be interested in this learning about recovery ministries in our city, what's the one thing that the one great value of what you're doing with recovery court being added to services in our County? What's the, what's the one thing about it that you think is so beneficial? Well, other than the fact that I don't cost the County a dime, my position's funded through the state. It's there's not many 18 month programs out there with because I mean, sometimes when you're looking at somebody, you're like, well, what's this person's strength? Well, I used to write treatment plans. Sometimes the only thing I could write was they got a really good probation officer. So there's consequences that are serious if they don't complete this program. Most of them will go to TDOC and serve their time. That can be a motivating factor because the reality of it is, is you got to have something motivate you until you start getting the payoff from some of this stuff. If you don't have motivation, because this is hard. I know from experience, getting sober is hard. Not being with your kids is hard. Not being around your family is hard. All those things are hard. Being in a treatment center with a bunch of guys and looking in the mirror and like, how did I get here? Internalizing all that's really hard. If we can step them down, give them the support they need, give them the resources, alleviate a lot of the peripheral problems that come along with substance use disorders. They got a better chance of success. I think it's great. And Josh, thank you for sharing that, telling us some of your story and what you do. And so we look forward as we move forward with this podcast, just week after week, sitting down and talking with people, hearing their stories about how they're trying to contribute to to solving this, this great challenge in our community right now and in our world. And that's helping people. So uh, thank you for joining us. This is the Rise Up Podcast, and we'll look forward to uh, talking with you later. So God bless. Mm -hmm.